It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. I'm your host, John Sock. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. And today we're blessed to be joined by IMG's technical director, Coach Mike Gillian. Coach, how are you doing today? Hello, John and Chaz. I'm doing fantastic. We've got beautiful weather here in South Florida. It's raining. A little, <laughs> little bit of uh, stuff moving all these kids around that are in camp, but otherwise doing fantastic. I had rain at camp today, too. It was a, a hectic day, but hey, you, you take it over the just humidity and the straight heat all day long. There you go. You could not be in the gym. That would be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, for the viewers, Coach G has almost 30 years of coaching experience at both the Division One and Two levels. He boasts the best record of any coach for the Longwood Lancers Division One program. He coached multiple teams in the NCAA tournament, the NIT. He's won 120 games over a six-year period at the American International College. Coach Gillian was a color commentator for a little while, which is something that I find awesome because I would love to do that. And he's now working at IMG Academy as the basketball program's technical director. And that is one heck of a resume right there. All that means, John, is I've been around for a while now. So you can't do all that stuff in five or six years. So it's nice to be able to say, oh, there's a long career. There's close to 30 years. And then on the flip side, you start thinking about it like, man, 30 years. Well, uh, it's gone by pretty fast. Uh, it just means I've been around a lot of good people, around a lot of good players. and been able to put my stamp on a few things here and there. And uh, the love of the game and being around the game and around the kids and other coaches and all has led me to this point. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of interesting stuff along the way. I want to try and talk about as much of that stuff as possible today um but i always think the best place to start is the present i want to do you think you could just tell us what your job is as technical director of at img academy what are your like specific responsibilities what do we how do you keep the wheels running there's a lot of things that occur here as you well know john the the place is a machine it's only growing right now we have a hundred and we'll end up with about 150 kids enrolled for the next school year, which will fill 15 teams. If you did the math, 10 kids on a team, 150, uh, give you 15 teams. We do all that on four courts here right now. We're building a new facility, which should open. The plan is about January of 2022 at four more courts, including an arena court that will have 13 to 1500 seats. And with all that, what happens is, you work from the top down. Brian Nash runs the entire basketball operation. From the minute he gets up in the morning, the minute he goes to bed at night, it's, he's on go in a little bit of a different capacity than running a Division One program like he did and like I did. And then uh, working with Brian and everybody else on the administrative staff here, we basically just have to keep this machine running. And it doesn't matter whether it's in-season teams, practice, teams moving on and off the court, camp as we have going on now uh if you have a coach who might be out for a couple weeks this year i had during the course of the year i took a middle school team for a couple of weeks moved in moved back out i took a jv team for a couple weeks in the spring i took a varsity team to a couple tournaments and um i think the best way to describe it if you circle back to your description of what i've done over a period of time you have a lot of basketball and real life and 
the, the business of basketball related experiences. If you put all those together, it helps you not to be surprised by what goes on, whether it's one team and what they're going to do from a technical standpoint, or whether it's how we're going to move uh, 200 kids around because it's raining and you have to put everybody on a bus like we just did about 45 <laughs> minutes ago. So what my role does is encompasses a little bit of everything. Uh, I'm not one that sits in a closet and says, give me a practice plan. Although I could do this, give me a practice plan. Let me figure out what we're going to do today. And that's it. If there's something that happens or somebody needs help with, I'm willing to help out. We just, for example, we spent as everybody around the world did the last 14 to 18 months or so. And in the COVID world, Mm -hmm. we had some incredible safety protocols here. One of those was from the time we opened back up in September until now, still going on, nobody fills their own water bottle. For what it's worth, believe what you'd like. You have a lot of kids, so we have to staff this area that everybody's coming through. Look, to me, and, and um, I'm going to digress and segue as I'm going to do about 50 times in the next 30 minutes with you guys. Hopefully you get a chance to talk and ask some more questions. But people would look at it and say, oh, my gosh, I have to sit in a lobby and fill up water bottles for 14, 15, 16-year-old kids coming through all day. No, I sit out there saying, hey, here's an opportunity. It's like the glass that's half full, and you're going to fill it up. Let me, while I'm doing this, ask uh, Chaz a couple of questions that might lead to me getting to know a little more about him, his experience here at IMG being a little bit better. And then you just move those things, take a, take a situation and a circumstance and make a positive out of it. So I'm involved in just about everything that goes on. But at the end of the day, we want to help all these kids have a great experience while they're here. We want them to get better, which is what they want. I'm helping the coaches have a great coaching experience, have them get better. I've been at a place where a lot of them would like to get to. Being an assistant coach, Division Two, Division One, being a head coach, running your own program, and then helping uh, administrators on the staff with stuff that they're doing because I've done all that stuff at some in some capacity, and then helping Brian have this thing continue to grow and, and be as good as it can be um, in the big picture. So that's a brief synopsis. It sounds like an incredible amount of, of management and, and time that goes into it. Sort of just. How difficult can it be to try to get guys in and out of the gym when you have that many teams and, and now you're building the new facility, but with only four courts? I mean, we've heard time and time again that Josh Ozebor just doesn't leave the gym. So how is it to <laughs> able to get guys in and out of the facility to make sure that everyone gets enough practice time to really feel like they're putting in as many hours as they need? It takes a lot of organization. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of cooperation. But at the end of the day, Chaz, if you say, oh, it's too difficult to do and, and you let that sort of mentally shut you down or hold you back just doesn't work. So if you come in and say, we didn't realize that the varsity white team was going to be playing the next day on court four. So they should practice on that court. I'll just move around the gym. Just, just keep moving. Hey, we're going to put varsity white on court four. You guys move over. Next group comes in, you go here. I've always kind of had the capacity to keep a lot of different, uh, balls like if you guys ever went and played bingo you know that the balls are popping around in there a lot of things up in the air knowing that at the end of the day it's all going to work out so keep your composure don't freak out understand that it's going to be fine but you have to have the experience and the capacity to know um, even in circumstances that are best organized there's going to be a little chaos and just manage your way through it and figure it out 
I have to ask with the the building of a new arena that sounds like it's pretty much a, a college level facility D1 type building. Is there a name for it yet? Is is there something already planned or? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, uh, in the business aspect of IMG, I am certain that if there was the right figure that was brought forward to put your name on that building, you know, well, <laughs> that could occur. But uh, uh, that's something I am not involved with. So. <laughs> Right now, I would just say it's going to be IMG Arena. Um, IMG is a big enough name to begin with. I don't know that there's there's always a way to feed the bottom line, but I don't know if the necessity for that exists. It's not as it is in a college program. It's one of the differences. There are a lot of similarities where you're always looking at those revenue streams to drive the funding for what you're doing with other programs. Um, so. Uh, I, no, that's a good one. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I would imagine if the right opportunity came up, the, the right people would make that decision. Well, I'm sure I'm sure IMG Arena, the Ascenders Dome, will, will stick for a little while at least. Yes, yeah, somebody might come up with something. We, we played, we were over, the WNBA was here all last summer and into the fall. We built a, a dome or a bubble um, next to the performance center on the West campus. And we were in there for about six weeks at the beginning of the school year. And we mm. kept searching for what that would be called, you know, and there's usually an organic development of a name for it. it just kind of never happened. So if you guys come up with something you think might work. <laughs> fire it out there. Send in our suggestions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> were you working with the, uh, with the WNBA or was that uh, outside of your yeah, not directly. Uh, there were a few people here that on the staff that, that assisted with the management of the facility. And one of the things that was important, and there there's some great media, a great documentary, a 30 for 30 on ESPN that was put together about their time here. Uh, it, it really, they were in a bubble. So they really wanted as little exposure as possible. And they came, we would see them. They were living uh, in the, uh, villas on the other side of campus. The ladies would be riding bikes across campus. They'd come in and shoot, but we didn't come to the gym. They really didn't come into the bubble where we were. You would see them, but there was not really any interaction with them, no, um, for the most part. A little bit here and there. And then when they played their games, uh, you had the ability to go, very limited capacity, where they played to go to a couple games here and there. But, but not really. Just, yeah, let's leave them alone. Let them get through their season. Let's respect their space and what they're here to do and then and at that time you know keep everybody safe as well mm -hmm. yeah i remember that was a big thing a big uh worry at the time with the bubble the bubble and everyone talked about oh what if a bubble pops and then uh i remember eric daly jr being very very frustrated that his mom got to go to all the games but uh, he was not able to because his mom was helping out with the bubble <laughs> yep. speaking of covid um one thing that one thing that a lot of people have written about was when I was when everyone got sent home, all the schools had to send home all the kids and the way that you guys at IMG were still able to deliver basketball training. My mom would tell me about it every day. I read articles about it. You can't Google you. you I, I put your name into Google and I found three different articles talking about how you were helping record workouts for all the students that were sent home and how you'd have to, you know, adjusted for the students that didn't have access to a court or a net how how difficult was that challenge for you guys in the in the administrative staff when 
everyone gets sent home. What are you going to do? What was the panic like? Who, what, what was the vibe around the room or Zoom room? If Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that really at the beginning was not basketball related. It was um, everything's going to close down in the terms of no one physically is going to come back to campus. But nobody ever said this is going to stop. The, the care for the academic piece, the development piece, and the basketball piece for all of these kids, we had to figure out a way, not just basketball, all the sports here at IMG, we had to figure out a way that we could continue to give them what they were used to getting as close to the level as, as they were used to. And um, with dedicated professionals to make that happen. So let, let's figure out a way for it to actually occur. It took a lot of time, took a lot of brainstorming, a lot of meeting, a lot of ideas, a lot of attempts that failed, like all, all things. But what was happening also was there was a timeline. There was a deadline for certain things to occur. So what you're referencing, if we're going to put something together and how are we going to present workouts to these kids? Well, here's all these ideas. Great. But we have two weeks to actually come up with a plan, come up with something. And then we tried Zoom calls like this, where we would put a, um, a camera in the gym, have somebody recording the workout, and have kids dial in, and we would have 10, 12, 14 on there. And it just, that had to be live, and you could record it and distribute it. Okay. And then we tried recorded workouts, which we did end up using. And then we kind of went to uh, this distance learning model where you can go on. I, I'll tell you what, I, I think I'm pretty tech savvy for my age, but I had to learn a lot about Zoom, iMovie, recording, audio levels, how you could split the screen, how you could edit stuff. So each one of us, uh, there wasn't like, uh, let's record this and then send it over to the digital team and then they would pump out some uh, stuff for everybody to see. There was record it, go back to it, edit it, figure it out, and then pump it out to everybody on whatever platform that we had. And because IMG is so much in the forefront of this stuff, we have platforms like Coach Now, where you can put all that information, the kids and parents could see it, they could utilize it, they could give us some feedback. This is good, this is not so good, let's do this a little better. And as we went along, we just kept adjusting. Um, we had a, a short-term plan to get it going, a mid-range plan to make it as good as possible a long-range plan to make sure we continue to present that to everybody on a daily basis, at least five days a week, until we got to the point where we're in camp and then come back to school. So big challenges, a lot of work. And at the end, one of the things that happens is we did maintain the feel, even though nobody was physically here, of never shutting down the basketball program at IMG, which went a long way towards us restarting as strongly as we did at the beginning of this year, continuing through the year, in the middle of the year, adding a lot of new kids, which led to a whole um, another group of challenges to being in the position that we're, at, that we're in right now. So we never stopped and then restarted. We just had to figure out a way to keep going. And then obviously the kids uh, that are sent home, it's the, the challenges of giving them all the things that they need is difficult, but there are some students that were left on campus. How much was it to, how difficult was it to try to deal with guys like Moose and Josh who were, were stuck on the campus basically alone for the, for the whole COVID time and, and just having to work through that and how many people could they really go interact with? Like how many people were left on the facility to help them out? 
uh, at the beginning, the number is going to be not exact, but it, I'd say there were 10 or 12 kids that were still here. Over the course of time, some had the ability to leave and go home. Most of those international, like you mentioned, Musa and Josh, uh, Pritham and Yaledi Reddy, who's from India, he got to leave for a short time. We had another kid, Guyan uh, Jai, who's from the Senegal, who's here all summer. Uh, a guy from Greece, a guy from Turkey, they ended up being able to go home at one point. But we put uh, training times together for them so they could come into the gym, they could shoot. We had, we had safety protocols in place. They weren't in here playing two-on-two or one-on-one or any of that stuff. So they could shoot, work out. The coach could come in, keep your distance, do it safely, and make sure those guys, they could get a lifting workout in. They could get an in-person workout in the gym. And in a few ways, it, it wasn't great for those guys because nobody wants to be stuck in one place for a long period of time. But they had people around them that it, this goes to what we were just talking about. So the, the people, the kids that weren't here, they knew that aside from all of the basketball stuff and the, the school stuff, there was a caring that existed. And you could feel it through a Zoom call or uh, something that was pre presented on one of the digital platforms. <clears throat> but those guys too that were here, they, they knew that people cared about them. And it, and it allowed us to kind of set up what was going to occur when we got back to full strength too. Mm. Um, ah. So you're, you're currently running, running summer camp as it's IMG. There's always summer camps, tons and tons of kids. Uh, I think you said this was the most kids you've had in a week so far. Uh, I want to talk about, well, ma managing that while also looking ahead to the season you've got, you know, there's still challenges of the pandemic around. I know that some countries are still making travel tough. Um, recruiting is still a little bit of a mess. How, how are you able to balance working right now on the summer, but also looking ahead to we've got regular season coming up in a few months? Yeah, we're, we're still have, we still have all of the safety protocols in place that are um, required and then some. So it's not, it's not just the kind of place where they look at the guidelines presented by the CDC, for example, and say, okay, we're following these. Yes, they're going to be followed, but there are additional ones that are in place that have proven to be successful that don't get removed just because somebody says you don't have to do this. And without the specifics, it's like, okay, we know this works. So let's continue to do this. Let's protect everybody, safety first, and then continue to, to do everything in a way that works, that proves to be working, that allows us to move forward. So this happened when we came back in the, with the pods in the beginning of the school year, as we moved through the year, we had nobody from outside except opponents, no outside events, no camps, no anything, no parents at games, which was difficult. Mm -hmm. We got back to that at, toward the end of the year, but just the kids on campus. And as we moved to now, it's um, <clears throat> do the work to make it happen safely and successfully, learn from it, and then prepare for what's going to be next. So we're using all these things to prepare, all the experiences to prepare for everybody coming back in August. How are we going to do it when the teams show up? We had a very successful spring where we were able to do some really good things for the kids that were here. And um, just be ready to go when August rolls around. And still, you, you have to – be able to keep everything related to COVID-19 
in, in your mind and accessible and, and pay attention to it because it's there. And until it's gone, it's not going anywhere. So I think we're all keenly aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, running, running camps throughout the summer, has, has there been things decided in terms of just your regular season coming up? Like, is, is everyone just going ahead like a full season as if everything was normal? Is there still a lot up in the air about traveling to and from different, throughout different states or going to see different teams and tournaments and things like that? Yeah, I would say, Chaz, it's going to be not back to normal, but we're on the road to normal, on the path to that. So last year we had very strict protocols about, um, for instance, when you got in a van, limited numbers in each vehicle, whether it's a van or a bus, when you got on there, you sat in one spot, coaches would take a picture of what it looked like, and then when you came back, you sat in exactly that same spot. Are we going to do that again? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Is the capacity of each vehicle going to be the same? I don't know what that is. That's based on what happens and what the guidelines are going to be. But whatever it is, we're, we're going to follow it. And, and the same things, how do we travel? What's the exposure? By exposure, the exposure of all those outside um, variables to mm -hmm. our coaches and our players. We took some teams to events last year. That, that was able to be done successfully. So with everybody else around the country, moving back towards more capacities, more events, the high school programs will do that too. So we'll, we'll be right there evaluating it each step of the way. We'll do it safely, but we want to do as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then also IMG hosts a lot of events too and, and a lot of tournaments themselves. Do you think you'll be bringing in as many people in and out of campus as much or is it maybe we're going to focus more on getting our teams to be able to play all around and then if we can have big events, we'll do that. But Yeah, we certainly want to get back to that because uh, this spring we had no outside events here in the building. And normally what we would have in the springtime is you'd have – at just about every other weekend, there'd be a pretty big event here, so our teams could play. And then mm -hmm. you look for one or two opportunities for those teams to go off campus to play in something else. Well, we wanted the teams here to play in the spring a number of times, so we had to search for them to go to these outside events because we weren't doing anything here. Even now, some of the summer events that they'd like to run here, we've got the construction project, so that's that means everybody has to come through the other side of campus if they were to come to the gym. We have 225 kids at camp moving back and forth. So you really don't want to introduce all those things together. So no events for the summer. Okay, now we're into the fall. Now this is a, um, you know, one of the positives is it's somewhat, it's not been decided, but somewhat been talked about. Like if, if the construction was done, everybody could come in and out on this side of campus, then maybe the discussion could begin about those outside events. And we'll, so we were just talking about this in Bradenton, in local high schools, the Florida Association of Basketball Coaches just ran a phenomenal high school event. Uh, they had close to 100 teams. They ran it in all the local high schools. So it's occurring. We're not doing that here yet. So we're running. It's a little stricter than what the normal protocols are. But we do want to get back to that. How do we we'll wait and see? We'll make sure we manage it properly. Get this construction project done so we'll get back to it at some point probably not in the fall but when we open the building and we get into the spring and things are on that path back to normal i think you can look for some really exciting things we do have and have been working diligently on some partnerships with high profile organizations in 
the high school basketball space, the college basketball space, the international basketball space, and the AAU, if you want to call it basketball space, for them to bring their events in here. And those things will be off the charts good when that does happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when I was there, there was an Under Armour event held held at IMG. Def I definitely, I know that the coaches, uh, Coach UJ loved it. And I bet all the other coaches loved it. I can't wait to see those back on campus again. This is a great way to get some high-level kids in, some good work, good work in. I mean, I, I watched as many workouts as they would let me. It was awesome to watch. Yeah, um, those, those are many more. And keep in mind, when the new building opens, the arena in there will have 13 to 1,500 seats. So if you want to have a, like a multi-team event, they're called exempt events for college teams. And they, they, you can play three, four games, only counts as one. You travel around. You see these things in Las Vegas. Um, I took my teams at Longwood and we had played some when I was working with Coachella, George Mason. You go around Corpus Christi, Texas, South Padre Island, Las Vegas, Chicago, and different places around the country. Everybody plays in them. Well, we're going to put one of those here. Imagine you come, you guys know, you come to IMG, you have the hotel here, you have the campus, you come over, 1,300 seats, the place will be packed, the environment will be off the charts, and it just continues to feed the, you know, the basketball environment here on campus. So. Those, that's a small sample, but those are the kind of things they'll be coming and it, it not too far into the future. You're going to have to fight me away with a broom. I'm warning you right now. I might <laughs> I might live in my car out in Bradenton just to get to as many of these events as possible because there really is nowhere like IMG, like IMG in terms of just getting that, that atmosphere. Like I've been to a ton of prep schools. I visited a ton of prep schools. I did the prep circuit for two years in two different states, went all over. There is nowhere where you get the same energy as you do at IMG. A couple podcasts right from the baseline. It's a big time coaches in here. You can pull them on there. There you go. Hey, I'm there. I, I do. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me, coach. I will be, I will be living. I will be living in a parking garage. If I have to, I, I do not tempt me. Um, so for the listeners, uh, I met coach G last this last Friday. I came to pick up my little brother, Elijah from the IMG camp. By the way, he had the most amazing time. Thank you, coach. <laughs> One thing that stood out to me from the maybe two, three hours that I got to be on campus and watch workouts, um, of course, after passing a COVID test and all kinds of other safety protocols, um, and it was also very evident from what Elijah told me, is just how positive and encouraging you are and how much of an effect it has on all the kids. Your, 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 the energy you bring. I, I was wondering how that plays into your philosophy as a coach. Is that something you, you've brought in later? Is that something you've always prided yourself on? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something that I think I, I didn't have to really think about it. I think in the game, and I think this is true in sports, and this is no indictment of, of coaching style by any means because there's a lot of successful styles that, are, that exist. I'm, I'm not I, – I respect it and I appreciate it, and I, I think I do it sometimes too, but I'm not a huge fan – of manufactured enthusiasm. Like, you know, you can't put it in a can, uh, shake it up, pop the lid, and boom, there it goes, because it, it doesn't maintain. It, it's not going to sustain itself over a period of time. But I do feel like if, if you're positive about what you're doing and your energy level is high and you have an appreciation for the work that people are doing, then what, what ends up happening is it becomes sustainable. And, it, and it's something that becomes contagious and it's 
way to go. And it, it doesn't also mean that I've never been negative or critical, especially in coaching. But if you come back around to, to the positives and you always look for and find them, it's going to be good for everybody in the long run. And one of the things for me was I always thought it was going to be best for me. That, that's the way that I wanted to handle it. So uh, here's an interesting thing, because when I interviewed for the coaching job at Longwood, I sat in the office of Patty Cormier, who was the president of Longwood University at the time. And she, she asked me about this stuff. And she said, this is your reputation. You're positive, you're energetic, you're enthusiastic, you have great relationships with people. Explain that to me if you can. And I said to her, I, it's really difficult because I can tell you all the ways that I think I do that or I could explain to you the value in it. But in, until you actually see it for yourself and you can make your own judgments, it, it's, it doesn't really have the effect. But here's what I'll tell you. And she had a glass there. And I said, and I had a bottle of water. There was water like this one. It's amazing how the virtual backgrounds, you can see right through it. So I'm still, <laughs> still baffled by that stuff. So I, I had water stuff with me because I was in there for a while. I was doing a lot of talking. And she had an empty glass. I said, Dr. Cormick, can I, can I see the glass? She said, sure. So I, I filled it up about halfway, like everybody does, and everybody knows the analogy. And I said, okay, explain to me what you see. And she said, oh, okay, it's a setup. I get it. It's a glass half full. All the optimists around the world see the glass half full. I said, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. It's how I view it. So I picked up the glass. I drank the water. I put the glass back down. I said, now what do you see? She said, that's easy. The glass is empty. I said, that's the difference. And I, th there's nothing wrong with it because you're observing exactly what it is. What I see is the glass waiting to be filled up to the point where it's a quarter full to the point where it's the glass half full. And then what we want to do here is we want to fill that glass with all these experiences from Longwood, the basketball program, everybody else. Because I, I also think that the positive stuff, when you, when you think like that, it doesn't just stay in a cone with a narrow focus. It, it lends itself towards you thinking positively and wanting to affect a lot of the other things that are around you. And the last piece to this, it's why, it, it's not me, it could be anyone, but it's why when you're in a circumstance like I happen to be in at, at IMG, and there's so many things that are going on and so many moving parts, if you're positive about the stuff that's happening, then it'll rub off on some other people. You'll be able to get some things done. Um, you'll be able to massage some circumstances that might have some conflict in them if, if that arises. And it's just, it, it lends itself to a lot of things being done pretty well. And in fairness, if, if it would have been a little different, perhaps maybe I'd still be coaching at Longwood or somewhere else because I could have taken a little bit of a different tact in some of those things. But it's one of the things I don't regret. Um, uh, I, and I don't, I don't take it for granted, and I don't say also this is the way it has to be. I just say, it, and this is the way I operate. This is what I like to do. Um, this is this is how I like to do it. And if it's not for you, that's fine, and we'll just keep it moving. So <laughs> that, that's the today's version of uh, answer to that particular question. And. You did just mention you've been at IMG only quite recently now, in 2019, I believe you started. Can you just talk about what it was like to, to kind of get recruited to IMG? How did you get to, to be part of such a powerhouse program and, and come in and take over these kind of reins as the pulling the strings for so many different teams? Yeah, I'd love to say I was in demand and this was something that somebody wanted to do, but 
not really the case. Brian Nash and I have known each other for a long time. Circumstance, timing and circumstance. It's really what it is. I was in a situation where after I was let go at Longwood, uh, I went to FIU over there and spent five years over there. Uh, we got let go as a coaching staff, so that's what led me to doing some of the games on TV and doing some of that stuff and, you know, see what can happen and get involved in a few different things. There were some coaching things that were going on that I thought might be good. And as this thing continued to grow, the necessity exists and continues to exist for more people to do more jobs, coaching jobs and otherwise, to keep it going. And Brian was looking for somebody to do this job. We started talking about it. He decided. I, I recruited him, and he decided, hey, I think this might work out well, and I'm thrilled to be here. So very appreciative for the opportunity. Uh, me being recruited to this, no. Now, I will say this. One of the things I've done and, and then continuing to try to do now is – recruit more people that can have this type of positive effect on all these kids. So as we keep growing, we, we're growing here in a positive manner. So it's a little bit organic. You don't force, you, force your way into that stuff. But when somebody asks me, will you now be involved in this? Help us bring another good person into the basketball family at IMG. I'm going to do it and do the best I can because I think I've got a pretty good handle on how this thing is going to operate positively. <laughs> And I mean, you got to do a pretty good job. Every single player or coach we've talked to from this, from the IMG program keeps keeps pushing the, time, the same message of just family and brotherhood and always just working together to, to be the best they can be as a team and as individuals. So it's it's definitely some positive moves being made throughout the organization and the program and continues to grow. And as, as long as you keep bringing in the right guys, it seems like you, the sky is the limit for, for what the Ascenders can do. Yeah, and it's an important note, the right guys. So the right guys and girls, when you go right down the ladder from the coaches, from the top-tier coaches, and they're all top-tier coaches, top-tier players, to uh, the guys that are going to Division three programs or walking on a Division one program, so I might even go to junior college, what happens is there's a lot of hoop junkies at IMG. And when you're able to give the attention to the kids who are developing and are and – are, realizing their dreams, what ends up happening is everybody realizes the dream doesn't have to be, oh, I'm a starter at Michigan, or I'm going to LSU, or I'm going to be an NBA draft pick. The dream could be, hey, I want to be on a college program, and I want to experience the life of a college player, develop friendships that are going to last for a lifetime, a work ethic that's going to lead me to building a podcast empire like you guys are doing, um, or uh, I'm going to value these experiences I get outside of the normal realm of things. Like I might go to Copenhagen for five weeks and figure out, you know, how this all fits into the big picture. So th this is what basketball and sports does for, for young people. And they're all important from top to bottom. Mm. I, uh, I appreciated the love right there. Yeah, there you go, John. Exactly my story, start to finish right there. I, I could have thrown a few Tilton references in there too, but you know, one at a time. <laughs> It's not like I did. It's not like I did much in my Tilton year, <laughs> but big love to Coach Marcus O'Neill up in Tilton. Definitely, uh, definitely missed the wor the work up there. Mm. <laughs> uh, I want. I want. I feel like it would be a disservice not to talk about your ten years with the Longwood Lancers. You were their coach for their D Division One inaugural <laughs> season. You still have this, the best single season D one record in program history. You have most the most. Most yep, Division yep, One yep. wins. Also, beat me to it. I have that written. <laughs> I have it all written down. 
Uh, you had a 17 and 14 record, which is still better than anyone has done has done there. Um, what? You 10 years is a long time to coach, and in those 10 years, you went from D1, D2 to D1, and then D D1 independent to joining the Big South Conference. So it was a it was an interesting 10 years, and in that there was a lot of change despite being at the same place. I, can you one I, I mean I want to go a billion ways with this I want to talk about the jump from D2 to D1 I want to talk about the jump from D1 to independent to being at a conference I want to talk about just being in the same place for 10 years where where do you want to start really <laughs> yeah it, it's a it was a great time it was a great I learned a heck of a lot about basketball and <laughs> you, you reference it in, in a really interesting way that is correct uh, there was so much change that there were the 10 years was not just a straight 10 year period. There's change everywhere. You could be at Texas for 10 years and you might stay in, in the big 12 and all, and you have some change of players and different things, facilities and all that stuff. But the changes that occurred while I was at Longwood made it be like it was different phases or eras within that time period. So I, I do want to be careful because I, I think I did a fantastic job there and I have okay. no problem well, one of the things that happened after a couple of years, and I have a lot of friends in the coaching profession, and some are on the surface friendships, some are pretty good, and, and some are uh, a little more. And one of the ones that's pretty good over time is with John Calipari. And it's not because he's the coach at Kentucky now or because he was the coach at Memphis. When he got started and he got his first head coaching job, job at the University of Massachusetts, I was working as an assistant coach at AIC. You referenced that at the very beginning, John, right? We had a great team. We're in Springfield, Mass. And they were building a, a powerhouse program at UMass. They used to come and just stay in Springfield during Christmas breaks and practice in our gym. And I would open the gym every day and spend time around them. And I would just see those guys around a lot and develop a friendship about their work camp and all that stuff, get to know people. And well, the, the reason that I, uh, I mentioned him was because one day I was talking to Coach Cal and it was about two or three years after I was at Longwood. He said, listen, one of the things that's hard being a division one coach, and it's even hard for me is, and that was him talking, is you have to learn to be a shameless self-promoter. And it really is true. You're, you're the head of an organization and you're recruiting players and people have to look to you as this thing that you're not. You're, you're just a basketball coach. You're not any of these other special things, right? But um, in, in doing that, it does stick with you and it's a quality that you have to build over time. So, uh, and I only give a couple minutes to saying that because when I'm asked this question about Longwood, it's, it's sometimes a little difficult, but then I put that hat back on and say, you know what, I got to give myself some credit because I did a pretty darn good job there. We had, I went there knowing we were going to move from division two to division one. That's what they brought me to Longwood for, to make that transition effectively and to have us ready to participate at the highest level of, of college athletics, college basketball. Now, one of the things that happens these days if, is if you make that move, you cannot make the move without having a conference to participate in. So Tony Pujol at North Alabama right now is in the Atlantic Sun. Not eligible for the NCAA tournament, but they're already in the league. This happened with Bryant when they did it. When I went along with that was not the case, and I fully believed in a short period of time by the end of our four-year reclassification to Division One, that we would be in the Big South Conference. It was the target the whole time. It took nine years. Like there was, there, there was no rule. So 
we got to year four and five. We had put a really good team together. We won 17 games after going 12, 10 wins, 12 wins, 12 wins. We get to 17. We backed off a little bit. We had some super close games against high levels of competition. We never got back to 17, back to 10, back to 10. We finally got into the Big South, and we got that invitation during my ninth year there. So in my last year, and I'm, t- I'm going to tell you this, you guys this. The reason we got into Big South is because I did a good job with the men's basketball program. I thought, mm-hmm. Were there other factors? Absolutely. Was the, were the resources in place to be a Division one program? Have we proven ourselves? Had the athletic director done a good job at present? All those things true. But I was told directly, look, if you did not do the job you did with the basketball program, you guys were never getting in this league. Uh, that was told to me. So this is me being, yeah, thank you, Chad. Shane, hey, look, and that's as far as that stuff goes, because the next year we got into the league. I thought I had pretty, put a pretty good team together. We were very young. Uh, we went into the Big South tournament. We won a game in the Big South tournament. We lost to Liberty the next game. A week later, I, w- I was fired. So what, what are you going to do? All good coaches are fired. So here I'm going to say I did a pretty darn good job. I put us in good position. I had good players. All those players left, and they got rid of me. That's what happens. That's the reality. I am not complaining. That, that's, that's the ins and outs of it. Uh, I tried to give the kids that I was coaching there experience they would never forget for the rest of their life. We could not play in the Division One. NCAA tournament. So what did we do? We went around the country. We played at Kentucky, at Florida, Boston College, Illinois, Providence, USC. The guys in my program over that 10-year period, we played against 50 players, 50, who played in the NBA, 5-0 over that 10-year period. So these kids played at Rupp Arena in front of 24,000 people. They played at Illinois when Illinois was number one in the country with D. Brown and and, uh, Jason uh, Darren Williams and all those guys lost in the national championship game. We played at Florida, Chandler Parsons and all these guys all over the country were incredible experiences. So the last piece to that, and I could go on for 45 more minutes talking about all, all these great experiences, but here I thought was a pretty cool story that reflected what we built over time and what the experience for the players in the program was like. We played at Kentucky, it was 25,000 people. It was awesome. There was a guy on our team named Ryan Bogan, and he was an excellent three-point shooter, and he was making shots. We were in the game at halftime. We ended up losing by 25 points. Patrick Patterson, Jody Meeks, and some of these other guys, right? Kentucky. So Ryan's, Ryan's making threes, and I think we're on the foul line. He's out by the foul line area, and I was talking to him during the game. It's pretty loud. There's 24,000 people. Um, during the spring, that following spring, I was in the Atlanta airport, and this guy said to me, I think it was recruiting, so I was wearing Longwood stuff, he said, excuse me, you're the coach at Longwood. I said, yeah, I was at the game, Rupp Arena. And, you know, you guys played hard and it was great. How was it for your guys, all those people? I said, man, it was awesome. It's Rupp Arena. He goes, yeah, I bet you guys never played in front of 24,000 people before. And I thought about it. And this happened instantly. I said, man, you know what? You're right. It was incredible. And let me tell you something. In our entire home schedule, in our gym that holds 1,800 people, we did not have 24,000 people in attendance all year long, and you had 24,000 at one game. And the guy was saying to me, yes, he won Kentucky. And then I said to him, but let me tell you something. In our game there, I was talking to Ryan Bogan when he was out by the foul line during the course of the game, 
And every home game we play at Longwood, and by the way, in the last six years there, we won 70% of our home games in just past Right, right. So in every home game that we played, I could not have that conversation with that guy. He had to come over and be three feet from me because the place was incredible. The noise was bouncing off the ceiling. So I was explaining to him, this is what college basketball is all about. This is what the experience for these players was. They got to go to a place that was awesome. But they also, in their own gym, got to win a lot of games, beat good teams, and have an experience that was also incredible. And that, that kind of is the synopsis of that 10-year period. I was pretty – well, not pretty. I was very proud of the accomplishments of the players. And even though I think I did well, it was all the guys, players and coaches, what they did to get us to where we got to. We accomplished what we wanted to. We got long went into the Big South Conference. We had some fantastic wins. Those kids had awesome experiences. And I do hope that at some point down the road, the players – and I have some guys, Antoine Carter – is the all-time leading scorer in Longwood history. Maurice Sumter was the first really good Division One player in Longwood history, and these guys are not in the Longwood basketball, not in the Longwood Athletics Hall of Fame. And I can't understand why that's the case. I've been gone for seven years now. They've been gone for more than that. They're eligible. They should be in there. So I, I want them to be recognized, and then I want Longwood and Longwood basketball to have some success that we set the table for down the road my, my um whatever i feel toward that is in the rearview mirror now I'm pretty proud of what we accomplished mm-hmm. i mean hey you always can you will always be able to look back and see them in the big south and know that was you and uh we would love to get to get your former players on if we give them a little bit of extra publicity here <laughs> put float that out there if they're at all interested there are guys that will do that there's a there's a guy it's an interesting thing so you guys have this podcast and i've done a number of these and different things radio, television, and podcasts and different stuff. There's a guy who's a super fan. He came around to a bunch of our games. He started a Longwood Athletics podcast. His name is Ron Brown. He's had some of my players on. And I've talked to him. He said, you got to come on. I said, Ron, I want to do it. And I, I honestly, now, I have to I, I have to get myself ready to do that. And it's been a long time ago, right? I've got to get in the right frame of mind. I'd go on anywhere or have some of those guys on to talk about stuff with anybody. But that one got to make sure I, I do that properly and I think you can understand a little bit why. And we will be we will be tuned in. We'll give it a share on our, our Instagram too when that comes out. Um, mm-hmm. I know you said you have to get running soon. So I was wondering if there's anything you want to put out before we close this down. The stuff you guys are doing as as um, part of the IMG family and having the opportunity to do it. Like I'm around here with all these great people, Dan Barto, and he talks about all these guys and I'm just flying the wall and listen then John you came through last week and then he's like yeah this is John I'm like oh wait a minute I've heard about John from the podcast and all it's it's an awesome place it's not a college program but it's the closest thing to it it's not a real regular high school program but it's the closest thing to it for these kids it, it's for the people working here and the uh, kids playing here it's incredible and I think it's just me now seeing how this is going, that the connection through this kind of stuff and the different platforms that exist, all these connected pieces, and it doesn't mean you have to be Anthony Simons or Jeremiah Robinson Earl or, or KJ Martin. It could be um, any number of people that the opportunity for these 
social engagements to be part of like the, the IMG stuff, they're, they're a different thing that's going to explode. I'm really excited to see what happens. So when you say, mm -hmm. hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, I, I see this like for, for in a different area. So I'm super excited. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to do it. And um, hopefully it, it, I didn't just jump. <laughs> don't want too long about some abstract stuff there for you guys not at all coach it was absolutely amazing having you on i can't thank you enough for it this has been absolutely amazing trust me everything was perfect the best part is we don't have to add anything at the end which is great That's i can't great. wait to do it again let's go I, I will get you back on. I do do I, I will. I'm gonna text you in a few months. I, I'm holding you to that. <laughs> I'll be ready. If you have two seconds, I just want to say how in demand is the IMG facilities in terms of just professional athletes that want to come work out and get the work in because you have so much available to them. Yes, it, yes, it's interesting you ask that because they want to come back in here, and much like the events want to come in here. And it will be, there, there's a plan to make that incredible as well. Um, the decision was made. We're not going to have any pros in here right now. And imagine how great it is for those guys to come here because of the environment. It's great for the kids who are here to see them work out. Um, John Morant is the last one that really, and he, he was here last summer for a couple of weeks working out with, with some of the guys. And uh, so, it, it's coming back in full force. How and in what fashion? I think it's going to be structured. There's a lot of conversations about the right way to do that and not have it just be, um, hey, it's not open to anybody because it, it is to the, getting to the point. It, it's at, no, I shouldn't say that. It's at the point, but getting more to the point where there's a cachet, there's a, a certain value aside from just what's here, the terms of strength and conditioning basketball and all that stuff to and we we want to keep that growing too you want you want to be the the destination for all that stuff so when it comes back it's going to come back in the big way it's just not happening yet mm. we can't wait for it to come back definitely <laughs> coach this is just this has been such an honor such a pleasure it's been so great getting you on um i haven't asked you if you have instagram D do you I have Instagram only to follow along a few select places. I post nothing. I think I have four posts on there. We went to, uh, we took my daughter to dinner at the uh, Versace house down in South Beach one time. We're in Miami. I put a couple pictures up, right? I'm like, yeah, Instagram. Shortly after, I was, I bailed on Instagram. I, I go on there and see what's happening. Four more posts. That's it. Four more posts than me. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to tag you on everything. Um, is there anywhere that uh, we'll, we'll tag you everywhere? We'll have everything going so you can see everything and everyone can uh, can see you. Mm -hmm. It's been an absolute right. pleasure. Yeah, I, oh. I do have the Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I use that as information. So I'm on there. I think I'm at Mike Gillian. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what it is. So, all right. That's, so it. We'll, that's it. At Mike Gillian, I'll uh, I'll make sure to, to put that up on up on our Instagram. That's our main our main my, my twitter is pretty dead but if anyone uh most of all my twitter <laughs> we're getting that back up uh to all our listeners thank you for liking subscribing rating and reviewing you know it helps us uh it helps us man and make sure to follow us on instagram at ball talk official make sure to follow coach at mike gillian make sure to follow me on twitter at uh jzsoch um
Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.